Welcome to We're Talking. We have an opinion about everything, and it means absolutely nothing. Now, here are your hosts, the rocket surgeon and the brain scientist, but we're not sure who's who. Craig Malasa and Josh Jacno, they're talking. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to We're Talking. Tonight with me is Mr. Josh Jagno to my left. How are we doing tonight, Josh? Much better than I have been. Thank you, Craig. Glad to see you up and about uh, and, and healthy and, and, and life's good. We also have Mr. Jay Walker tonight, voice of the UL Raging Cajuns. How are we doing tonight, Jay? We're, do- we're doing great. I uh, started to write a song about about Josh and, and what he went through last week. All I can all I can come up with was got the Rona. I'm sorry. Glad to, glad you're doing better. Multiple friend. HIPAA laws violated. Yes, I, I just I, I I mean I don't I don't think HIPAA applies to hippies. Okay, I'm just saying. And, and also, I, I'm just glad he didn't have, find something that rhymed with diarrhea or something. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I was worried about. I mean, we do have a family show here most of the time. Uh-huh. So, now let's move on from all that stupidness, and uh, let's talk about a little Cajun softball. Lots of uh, lots of announcements today. They know where they're going. Well, they obviously knew where they were going to begin with, but they lots of uh, accommodations for the girls there, the ladies, and uh, they know what time they're going to be playing. Uh, just don't know who yet. So, who would like to jump in here first? Dave, uh, Jay, you just had a conversation with Coach Classico. So. I did, and... Um... You know, I, I will say this. He, he said that Saturday is going to go down in infamy as far as senior days are concerned, you know, because they, they lost to a, a very poor ULM team. I say a very poor, a very run-of-the-mill ULM team. Um, and, and, he, and he said, he said, we just weren't ready to play. He said, and I think we underestimated our opponent. Now, what was it Tony Robichaux once said? Only a fool underestimates his opponent. And... You know that it, and Bob Marlin has a thing where you fear no one, but you respect everyone. And you know, I I think the the, the girls kind of got caught up in what the day was about, and I think everybody kind of took a, a victory for granted. And and they they learned as Marty Fletcher. God, I'm co- I'm quoting all kinds of coaches now. As Marty Fletcher used to say, they learned an expensive lesson, relatively inexpensive, inexpensively, because it didn't hurt their seating or anything. Yeah, you know, it, it, I was kind of feeling the same way about baseball because I was looking on Facebook and Twitter and the, these people are saying, you know, where where is North Alabama? I had to look up to see where they were. Well, come to find out, they're the oldest state university in the state of Alabama, first yeah. of all. Yeah. And and like you said, coaches, I mean, Josh, you played. We've all played. Uh, Jay's been talking to coaches forever when he wasn't playing. Uh, we won't go <laughs> there, but uh, – you know, you, you don't disrespect. I mean, there's a lot of times that you you end up beating yourself because you end up disrespecting your opponent and you take them too lightly, and that's never a good thing. Yeah, Mike Keene, the coach at North Alabama, um, he's been there over 30 years, or 12 years the head coach, but he was like 22 years as an assistant over there. And that program has had some great success in Division Two. Now, they just moved up to D1 three years ago, and they've struggled. Um, and, you know... Maybe they'll continue to struggle. Maybe they'll get better. Time will time will tell. A lot of people have forgotten Mark Husbeth was the head football coach at North Alabama and got to the national semifinals on three different occasions. Um, 
And a lot of people forget that North Alabama is a Division II football school, came to Cajun Field and beat the Cajuns in 1997, still considered maybe the worst loss that the, that the football team's ever had. So, so I, we know about North Alabama if we've been paying attention for uh, any length of time. But no, back to softball. Um, you know, they destroyed their opponent on, fr on Thursday. Um, had to get bailed out on Friday after making five errors, and they load the bases without benefit of a base hit, and Justice Mills hits a slam, and, and they wind up winning. Uh, and then it caught up with them uh, in the last game on Saturday. And, um, you know, I, I was kidding with Coach Glasgow. I said, are you the one that cried the most on senior day? And I was referring to the fact that he's got an awful lot of seniors on this team, and, and it's, oh, my God, i got to go replace them. But um, it, was, it was an emotional day. Uh, they got to put it behind them. I really think that Saturday's loss is going to make them come out with a little bit of a chip on their shoulder on Wednesday. And there's a very good chance they may play ULM again. And I'm just here to say I don't know that I want to be the Warhawks if that's the case. Well, one thing that, that was just uh, announced is that C.R. Bryan uh, was the number seven pick in the AAU Sports College Draft for wow. softball for the Pro Pitch uh, Fast Pitch League. So. Interesting. She was not one time, as a matter of fact, no offensive player on the Cajuns at any time this year was named Player of the Week in the Sun Belt Conference. Yet she's named Player of the Year. And Kendra Lamb and Summer Ellison were each named Pitcher of the Week one time the girl from Troy, the girl at South Alabama, I think the girl at Texas State all won it multiple times. Summer Ellison's the pitcher of the year. And so, you know, even though they may have gotten overlooked uh, during the weekly awards, they were not overlooked when it came to the superlative awards for all conference. Well, well, you, you're familiar with this. So let me ask, let's, because I don't think a lot of our listeners are, are even myself are totally, I know it's different for each sport because not each sport has a media person that, that covers them. Like football, there's a media coverage and a coach's vote. But what what is it for softball and baseball? Are they the same, or is it just the coaches? Or the coaches the coaches vote, um, and I think that's it. And they can't vote for their own players. Uh, also, the the way that they select all conference in softball is different in that they have X number of players that are named to the team, but it's not done by position. You know, there were five pitchers that were named first-team all-conference. Uh, the, the ace from Troy, the ace from South Alabama, the ace from Texas, Texas State, State and, then, and, of course, the two from the Cajuns. So they had five first-team pitchers. Um, but it, it's not done according to position, which is, is different from anything else uh, that they do. But, no, the coaches vote on that. Okay, it's just the coaches, and there's no media. Yeah, or whether I, no, the media, um, the media isn't involved because, well, especially in the case of softball, what media in what city covers softball except for right the Cajuns, and even in baseball, Little Rock gets no coverage. Okay, you you you, you have trouble finding their box score in the newspaper. Um, you know, Arlington gets very little coverage. Um, and Georgia Southern, uh, I'm sorry, Georgia State gets no coverage. So how are you going to take a media right. member from there and say, here, vote on the all-conference team? So the media is not included in the spring sports. Right. You and I have talked about it before. I just wanted to, for our listeners to know, and I wasn't sure if Josh was familiar, but Josh, you want to? No, that was an education for me. Uh, it's funny, with, you know, the way you broke that down, 
I think all three of those are major media markets, so they just get buried in other coverage, right. I assume. Right. Nobody really dedicated to those sports, uh, which is unfortunate, you know, yeah. obviously. A place like Dallas, you know, and they've got a good team usually. I mean, well, obviously it, good, comparatively but, speaking. But, but that's a pro city. Sure. You know, Atlanta's a pro city, and Little Rock is a University of Arkansas city. Right. And so, you know, the, the, as a result, the three schools I mentioned don't get, don't get much of a bite. But, you know, if, if we're looking at everything, just congratulations to all, all the girls. First team, C.R. Bryan, uh, Kendra Lamb, uh, Summer Ellison, and Kendall Talley. And then uh, second, second team, uh, Justin Mills, uh, Julie Rawls, uh, oh, Caitlin Aldr- 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 Aldrink. Aldrink. Man, I knew I was going to mess it up. because Aldrink for that. <laughs> and Alyssa Dalton. So congratulations to all the ladies there. Uh, 10 a.m. on Wednesday Wednesday morning on ESPN 1420, home of Cajun Sports. Uh, Steve and Bobby, I'm sure, uh, I know Steve will be there. I'm assuming Bobby will. Bobby will be there also. So looking forward to listening to them and, and having my work day go a little quicker on Wednesdays. They'll so. play either Coastal Carolina or ULM. Those teams will play in a single elimination game tomorrow. The winner of that game will play the Cajuns on Wednesday. The interesting part about that is that's Coastal Carolina was one of the teams that beat them last year when mm-hmm. they were having such a good year, and then uh, to close out the, the year against ULM. And I think when we talked about getting looking ahead of teams or, or not taking our teams for granted, ULM has, over the years, at least the last 10 years, spoiled senior day at home a couple times for us. Well, I can tell you this. The last softball game I did on the radio before this year, was the first game of a doubleheader uh, on the final weekend in 2012, and ULM beat the Cajuns one to nothing. That was the last time that ULM had beaten them until this past Saturday. So I uh, I emailed Steve and I said, "Thanks for taking me off the hook." <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, we've all been there, and I know we think we should never lose to ULM, but the fact is that you know. Uh, both teams get to play. Both teams have uh, uh, D1 athletes on their on their roster. And ULM had a first-team all-conference player, yeah. too. As a matter of fact, it's the leadoff hitter who, um, uh, on Thursday, uh, first batter of the game, took Summer, uh, took Summer Ellison deep. And, of course, that's the only run they got. The Cajuns wound up winning the game, I think, 10-1. to 1, but, uh, but she was a, turned out to be a, a first-team all-conference player. Anything else about softball, Josh, or – well, you mentioned Coastal. We're assuming they'll show up to play. So yeah. <laughs> maybe we'll get a forfeit out of it. Well, they're still waiting for their baseball team to show up to play. <laughs> you, you know, it's funny because I got I I received an alert about uh, who was the uh, who, who was the was it the linebacker with the the long hair and everything that said they would play anywhere. Teddy Thir- Gallagher. Yeah, Teddy Gallagher. Uh, waiting for that. Yeah. Well, uh, I'll have to look this up in the break because I don't want to go into and say it wrong. But we're going to take a quick break here. And we'll be right back after this. And we're back. Welcome to We're Talking with Craig Melanson, Josh Jagno, and Jay Walker is our guest tonight. He continues to move his microphone. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> so, before we left for the break, I was talking about uh, Teddy Gallagher. Is that how you say his name? Sure. Uh, one of the things on NFL Draft Diamonds, this kid is a competitor and said he's willing to play the Raging Cajuns in a Wendy's parking lot at 3 a.m., if that's what it took to play the game. Well, we all know for a fact that didn't happen because 
the chickens ran like a little bunch of girls. And I, I'm not saying this to demean women at all, but I'm talking about a three-year-old girl running from a grown man, not an adult woman running from a, a grown man. Let me make that clear right now. I'm not trying to demean women in any way. And <laughs> the we miss when the explanation is worse than the comment. I know. I'm just going. The, the chicken ears. Quit while you're behind. All right. So that was our that that's what I uh, that came across today. So very interesting that we brought the uh, the chicken ears up tonight. So let's talk uh, North Alabama. We knew it wasn't going to be well. We hoped it wouldn't be much of a series. Uh, I think they gave them a pretty good good little game at the end of uh, game two on Saturday. Uh, Cajuns dominated on Friday night and pretty much again on on Sunday. Uh, but uh, I, I thought there was lots of positives there, and we were able to. Uh, to, to get some guys some playing time, uh, get some look at some extra pitchers, and uh, get get the guys hopefully on the right track coming in this weekend headed over to UTA. So, thoughts on this weekend, Jay? Well, I think we saw in softball, and and this, and and I, you know, please don't anybody take this wrong. I'm, I'm not being. I don't think I'm being overly critical here, but I think after Thursday. You had a game on Friday where they had to get bailed out by a grand slam and then they lost on Saturday. They played down to the level of their opponent. We've seen this happen in sports when you're playing a team that you're better than and then you don't play well. What the Cajuns did not do was play to the level of their opponent. Now, North Alabama is not a good baseball team. Okay, they're 7-38 and 38 or whatever, whatever it is they are. Um, but the Cajuns went out and played like the Cajuns are supposed to play against a team that they're better than. They pretty much dominated on the bump. Um, they had 47 hits in the game, uh, in the in the three-game series. Now, Matt Deggs will tell you he's still not happy with their hitting in clutch situations. It was better, but they still need to be better with two outs and men in scoring position. He felt like they left too many men on base. But they hit over 400 as a team. Their their team ERA, I think, was 1.3. They held the opponent to a batting average of about 170. And they made three errors in three games, and all of them came in the first game. They, right. they, they played errorless ball on Saturday and Sunday. So, you know, I, I think that you know, the critics are going to say, oh, yeah, but look who they played. And, and I understand that. But you still have to go out and perform at your own level. They did that, and they deserve credit for it. Connor Kimple, by the way, is the Louisiana Sports Writers Association Player of the Week. Uh, seven out of nine. He also had executed three sacrifices. He drove in five runs. Um, so he's the, he's the hitter of the week for the LSWA. But... But they hit pretty well up and down the lineup. Um, so I'm, you know, I walked out of there pleased with what I saw, because because they played at their level, not not their opponent's level, and and that's easier said than done sometimes. But they did a nice job. Yeah, I agree. Uh, when opponents like North Alabama come into the tee, uh, I watch the games like a spring game. I sit there for two and a half, three hours, but I'm really watching for about 30 minutes of the game, situationally. You know, you see it in football when they 
well, Billy doesn't necessarily do it like this, but when Hood was here, they basically worked on situational, uh, you know, defensive lineups, let's attack this, let's let's swing gate here, let's do this, whatever. You know, different scenarios. Matt does it in the fall. Uh, Tony's doing it in the fall. But you're looking for production in what would be a clutch or key moment in a game. If you watched it that way this weekend, you walk away pleased. I don't really care how else. I mean, there's no other way to dice it. That Yes, we could have hit better in clutch situations, but we were consistent from the first to the ninth inning. We hit, we put up 1-1-1, one, one, one. I think it was Friday. I think we scored in every inning but the seventh and the ninth. And then we had a three-run inning in the eighth. I think I'm, I'm close on that. Um, Saturday, you, you saw a little bit of a better game. I think that I think North Alabama really played to win on Saturday, and they mixed in their pitches. The relievers came in, did a good job through strikes. They weren't intimidated by our hitters, but we wore them down. Um, I thought I thought the pitching mix from Spencer, all of our starters, really, Connor Cook was Connor Cook. I mean, I was sitting close enough to Matt to where when he was missing up, he would let him know, that's not good, get it down, get it down. You know, you could hear him chirping a little bit, and that was, that was fun to listen to, but... Uh, you could just tell that it was a different weekend and they were looking to get different things out of the weekend. Uh, there's always something you can take away from a weekend series. doesn't matter who you play. So it was good to see the offense be consistent in their approach. It was good to see a guy like Kemp get on the right track. It was good to see guys come off the bench and get knocks. Um, I think you find your, you found your first baseman. I really like CJ at first. Big, rangy target. Um, he, he doesn't get shaken at first. He doesn't panic. Uh, he's just reliable. He seems reliable to me. Uh, TRs, he's good at third. You think? I, look, he's he's got a step. You know, he's no, got no, a no. Step. He does. He does. He 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 makes the routine look routine, which is exactly what you want. But he may he makes spectacular plays that you really needed the hot corner to just demoralize an offense. I had a I had a visit with him during Nat's radio show on Monday, because the the team was all eating at Pete's, and you know. Coach Deggs likes to ad-lib. He likes to improvise, which is very different from the way Coach Rope was. Right. But he, uh, we're, we're right in the middle of something, and he goes, hey, TR, come over here. And he, and he, and he gives Tyler the headsets. And so I start talking to him, and I, uh, we talked a little bit about his approach at the plate and then asked him about playing third base. And I said, uh, I said do you ever, ever get – you know, rattled or pumped, and he said, "No." He said, "The most nervous I've been really is like right now." <laughs> <laughs> and um, he's, but he was, he was, he was terrific. The other interesting thing about Saturday, and we found out Sunday just how upset Matt Deggs was, because in the eighth inning, look, I thought Jeremy Hayes for seven innings did a really good job behind the plate. I agree. In the eighth, he, that strike zone got a lot wider when we were up at the plate, and then he just totally shrunk it in the ninth inning. And and there were several pitches that Cook threw, and there were two that Chipper Menard threw. And it was like, dude, what up with that? And he Matt, on, on the Sunday pregame conversation that I had with him, I talked about Cook kind of running out of gas and he had to go with him. He said, well, he said, I thought Cookie could have finished him. He said, but it was more than just Cookie and I'm just going to leave it at that. 
And then it was time to exchange lineup cards, and he didn't leave it at that. Um, he said on the, on the radio show at Pete's that he had decided he was going to get thrown out before the game started and that Bab talked him out of it. He said, look, Coach, you've already been thrown out once this year. If you get thrown out again, you got to sit again. And so, as he put it, he said, I went right up to the line and kind of maybe stuck a big toenail maybe over it. He said, but, but I told him, he, he said, if you don't have ESPN+, Plus, you need to buy a, a subscription, and you need to go back and watch how you call the eighth and ninth innings. And if you're not embarrassed by it, then there's something wrong. And, I mean, you could... You could see his body language and everything else during the, the pregame meeting at home plate. And it looked like Jeremy Hayes just stood there and took it. Now, he said he did warn him. And that when he warned him, that Matt backed off a little bit. But, but he was not happy. And, and he let Jeremy Hayes know about it before the game on Sunday. And the only reason he didn't get thrown out is because Bab talked him out of it. <laughs> that, that was... Uh... I was up in the TV booth spotting for them, and I can tell you, just watching the strike zone there, it was an amazing thing. But I was downstairs uh, on Sunday, and I, I I wasn't in my normal seat because it had started drizzling a little bit, so I, w- I was back. And you're a wuss, so you got well, back. Well, <laughs> yes, I am. But to my defense, I did everything right leaving the house. I stuck my phone in my rain jacket, so I had to bring my rain jacket in. And then when I got into the car, I tossed it on the seat with my rain hat. That's the only time I wear a hat is when it's raining. And what did I do? I grabbed my phone, left the hat and the jacket in the car. And, of course, you can't go out and come back in anymore. So, <laughs> God forbid. But we're not going to go there right now. But I was sitting back, and I was I was eating some jambalaya from the jambalaya shop. And if you haven't had jambalaya from the jambalaya shop, you really need to stop by there. There's a, little, there's a little plug, okay? So, but it's well done. A little shameless promotion. I like it. I will say, though, I was a little disappointed that there was no pastalaya there on Saturday. But I was assured that if you come to the ball game Tuesday night, you'll be able to get some pastalaya. So, Eileen and Brad will take care of you at the Jambalaya Shop. Thanks to them for the food always and taking care of us. Thanks for the, uh, I might have had a glass of rum or two from, uh, from, from, uh, Brad. His name is Brad. Let me help you. <laughs> I said Eileen, so I just got I, I just lost my train of thought. So, but uh, yeah, uh, very interesting situation there before the game, and I thought that's what what it entailed. I had you in my ear uh, listening to the game, uh, and and then right about that time is when he stepped away. So I, I was glad to see Coach uh, be able to stay there for the game, but totally agree. Understood what he did. And, and back to the situational things, if you watch the game that way this weekend, you will realize what some of those things, when a guy was getting thrown out, it was a hit and run where the batter had missed the hit. It was, it, you know, there were still some base running mistakes, but a lot of those things were situational things that the uh, the coaches and players were working on. And they wanted to see it, there's no doubt about it. Exactly, because you're not going to ask such and such to lay down a butt uh, in, in a championship game. You've got to do those things beforehand. So watching the game that way, and I know some of the people around me didn't like the fact that they were doing it, and I tried to explain it to them, but 
They wanted to hear nothing of it because our coach is an idiot. He doesn't know what he's doing. Uh, I'm not sure why we hired him. So, but, you know, you've heard me say this 58,000 times. Our fans, by and large, look at baseball with a football mentality. Every game is Armageddon. You know, you're not allowed to go ahead and experiment when it might help you down the road because you've got to win that game that day, and it's the only thing that matters. And those are people who honestly don't know anything about baseball. And so you have to take those folks and you have to disregard them. You know, those are, those are, but those are the folks that um, dominate message boards and, and they're loud and, but they don't know. Yeah. You know, was, was Jim Morrison, you don't know and you never will. That's, that's who a lot of those folks are, whether they're sitting next to you or whether they're, they're on a message board somewhere. And, you know, I said it last week. And I wanted to see what was going to happen with great weather over the weekend. Our fans once again proved that they're front runners. That they, um, it, it's like, and I said it last week. It's you know, Josh, you've got young kids. It's like it's like going to your to your son, your oldest son, and say, "I love you as long as you make good grades." And that's that's who our fans are now. There are some that are, you know, I'm going to root for my team regardless, and I'm always going to be there, and God bless them. But we don't have enough of those. And, you know, they were 23 and 20 coming into the weekend. During, during the pandemic, when everything was shut down, they found out how comfortable it is to sit in their easy chair, have cheap beer next to them, as opposed to 6 or $7 that they pay at the ballpark. And they, they got a great seat watching the game on ESPN+. And then they opened it up and said, well, why do I want to do that? I'm comfortable right here. And you want the teams that you root for to get comfortable with being uncomfortable, but fans don't want to do that. And, and they're front runners. It's who they are. And, and if I'm insulting folks that are listening to the podcast, sorry, but at the same time, tell me, tell me why I'm wrong. No, you're not wrong. Lafayette's a seen town always has been. I mean, look, one of the most uh, popular restaurants is La Fonda's. You ever eat tacos at La Fonda's? It's shit. Okay. I'm just telling you, it's not good. Uh, Remember to eat at the jambalaya shop. No, yeah, right, <laughs> exactly. So you're not wrong about that. I, I've always agreed with you on that one. Uh, and I'll even say this. I'll go as far as saying this. Even the crowds that showed up, you know, I have something that's called the free crowd. The free crowd is not the demographic you want to go after. $5 tickets, why I applaud. I, I applaud the effort and... You know, I don't want Brian to be discouraged from ever doing anything like that again because it did get people in the seats, but... How many? You know, the attendance on Friday was 563. Yeah. Which I think 520 is was the attendance during COVID. And Saturday, maybe there was a little more energy in the building, but it couldn't have been that much more, that many more people. No, the, we didn't hit 600 either day. So, and then the folks that showed up, I mean, I don't know if people just got trashed in the parking lot before the games. Or I, I have no idea. Maybe we had a beer special that I didn't know about. It was just terrible. I, you know, the heckling. You know, one thing that I'm very proud of, especially when we go on the road, and Jay, you know we travel a lot with the team. One of my, I love the fact that when I have my Raging Cajun shirt on or hat or whatever, 
we our reputation our reputation precedes us, and it's always you guys are mouthy, but it's always in good fun. It's good natured. Uh, you know your baseball. People respect us in that regard. I, I, there was not there was not much to respect on the concerning the crowds this weekend. I, well, the things that were being yelled and and just the obnoxiousness of it all. I, I've told Catherine multiple times. I was like, you know, they we got to do better than this. We you do and. They couldn't do what I suggested because Jumbo Sports um, produced the games for ESPN Plus on, on Friday and Saturday while Dan McDonald and, and was overdoing softball. So, But my suggestion was, look, it costs you a lot of money to produce those games to do them right on ESPN Plus, and I think they do a very, very good oh, job. Oh, the broadcasts are phenomenal. But I'm pulling the plug. If I'm... You know, last this year, because because of budgets, I think they were only scheduled to put, I don't know. It was 10. 10. 10 games on the plus. And, and basically, the Diamond Club are the ones that provided the money to, to get the rest of them on. And my suggestion next year is don't do it. Don't do it. You know, if you're going to put 10 games on, put 10 games on. But send the message, hey, folks. Get your ass out of your easy chair and come to the ballpark and support your program. The hard part there for me, though, is I, is I agree with you totally. I'm going to be at every game no matter what. Well, I shouldn't say no matter what because this was the most games I've missed this year. But the hard part is there. We're getting kids from California. We're getting kids from Texas. We're getting kids from Oklahoma. We're getting them from Minnesota. Wisconsin. What happened before ESPN? No, Plus, I, understand right? that. I understand that, but parents are used to that now is my point. And? So you know, maybe we could explore the idea of a, just a private personal link. If we have a camera set up for the ten games, yeah. maybe we can, maybe we can record the, the games and send them out to player parents. Maybe that's a perk of a recruiting. You know, I, there's got to be a better way. You know, to your point, Jay, I, you, we we need you at the park. We need our guys. We need our fans. We need your dollars. We, in order to keep this thing going, we got bills to pay. You know, so yeah, it's been it's been disappointing. To say the least. I think our fan, what it comes down to is our fans have just become lazy, and I'm hoping this all turns around next year, but I'm not hopeful. I, it's going to be very interesting when we start football season. Well, what we've sold in season tickets for a team that's coming off of a national ranking. Now, do we expect them to be nationally ranked again? I don't know. I don't think they'll be start out the season at 15, but if they're getting votes or 25, it'll be interesting to see. What happens after that Texas game when we come home? Or before that, screw Texas. How many season tickets are we going to sell before then? That's what's going to tell us. And then we'll even know more after the Texas game. You know, of course, if we win, then then you've got every fan coming out of every hiding hole. I agree with football. Uh, You know, Mike Alden said something very interesting. He said that he had never seen a university with four different fan bases. We've got a fan base for baseball, fan base for softball, fan base for basketball, fan base for football, and it's all different people, which is bizarre, really, if you stop to think about it. Um, I think baseball is multifaceted. I think you had lots of butts in seats because of Tony Robichaux sure. and his family and his connections and local connections. I think you had a lot, you know, baseball is a romantic sport. We romanticize, right? Uh, you know, I watched the 2000 Regional last night. I was watching it. I, I texted you guys, and... Uh, that place was packed. I mean, it was sold out, you know. And, and I think it the monster grows, it grows, and then it happens again in 2007, and it happens again in 2014, and then it, it happens again in 2016. And 
people start to hear, hear these stories and they expect that to be the norm. But they don't understand how special it was and how special it is and how much work it took to get there. Well, so when they show up, and that, it's not and, happening. And, and look, I, I, and, and let me tell you why I think in some ways it's going to get even worse. Somebody started a thread on a message board. Baseball expectations. So what are your expectations? Really what are your expectations? I expect us to be in a regional every year. Okay, so I guess that means you expect us to win the conference tournament every year because the Sun Belt's a one-bid league now. And, oh, well, if, you're, if you go out and you're good enough, no. No. Because when you play the rest of the league, your RPI is going to get dragged down. You've got two teams in the Sun Belt Conference right now with an RPI better than 100. Two. And guess what? That is now the rule, not the exception. Right. You know, these days where you're getting four teams, the Florida schools aren't around anymore. 2000s, a long time ago. And we have to get in a better conference, though, Jay. But even, That's even, the problem. Even 2013, we had four teams. Oh, yeah? Yeah. You had four teams in 2013. Well, the Florida schools aren't around anymore. And, you know, none of these schools, and, and of course, Coastal Carolina has had an unusually bad season, but this is a one-bid league now. So if your expectation is we should be in a regional every year, then you're saying we should win the conference tournament every year. Well, let me tell you, we won it in 1998, and we didn't win it again for another 16 years. So if that's your expectation, you're going to be really, really, really disappointed. Let me tell you what a reasonable expectation is. I expect us to challenge for a championship every year. I think that is a reasonable expectation. But anything over that, you have to be in a regional, you have to win the league, you have to... I just don't think that's reasonable anymore. Not in the Sunbelt Conference in 2021. Well, let's take a step back from all that. Because, you know, we had a coach here that was here for 25 years. And even though Matt Deggs was here for, for two years, he, he, he is still, I mean, he is still putting his team together. And last year, and I'm not saying it's going to be worse next year, but last year they had COVID. He didn't get to see any of his seniors play. This year, they're not, they're not even allowed to contact him. I don't know how they're recruiting, quite honestly. They're recruiting. They're doing everything via Zoom and via video. Okay, they're, so, it's it's they're getting video but, from these high schools on these players. They're recruiting via Zoom, and and guess what? Football's doing it. Basketball's and, doing it. And I was going to say, I know everybody everybody's playing by the same rules, but that's not. I mean, but at the same time, this is not a coach that has been here for ten years and then ha- is doing this. All of this is new. I'll tell you another thing as far as criticism is concerned. And, and and let me tell you, this one is understandable, okay? I have seen and heard a lot of the people that have been critical about this, critical about that, and it's taken me a while to figure it out. We got used to baseball being played a certain way, being strategized a certain way, being... And now you have a new coach. And while the moral compass is the same, look, I'm just here to tell you, if you think Matt Deggs is anything like Tony Robichaux as a head coach, think again. It, it couldn't be more opposite, actually. And so he's doing stuff that's very different from what we're used to. And 
if it doesn't work, then it's, oh my God. And, and you know, but you know what? I'm going to stick up for the fans on that one because that's understandable because we're used to it a certain way. And we, we used to be able to sit down and say, okay. And I used to do it on the broadcast. Okay. Squeeze is coming right here. And sure enough, the squeeze would come. And I did a couple times earlier in the season. They didn't squeeze. And then I said, you dumbass, you've got a different guy calling the shots now. Right. And so I quit trying to, I, I quit trying to anticipate what the coaches are going to do. And until I get to know Matt Deggs as a head coach a little better, I'm, I'm not going to do it. Because I, too, am guilty of being used to the game of baseball playing a certain way by the Raging Cajuns, and it's different. And you know this, on top of all that, Tony spoke so much. He did the radio show on Saturday mornings, and he would go two and a half hours, you know what I mean? He pounded it into his pitching defense, timely hit. I mean, even if you wanted to break free of that, it would be difficult. Sure. I, I grew up on that. You know, all of the coaches I had as, as, a, as a young person were Tony disciples. So, I mean, that's it's ingrained to me like DNA. So well, when you see Matt do the things that he does, it wears me out. I'm not going to lie. Shit wears me out. But it doesn't mean that it's wrong. doesn't necessarily mean that it's wrong. That's true. Well, let me ask you both this because I'm, I'm trying to decipher here in my head. Am I – did I learn baseball the way I learned baseball was was I that way before watching the Cajuns play? Because I enjoyed that style of play. Was it because they were winning? Or was it because that's the baseball I grew up on? Or Well, okay. I, I mean, or for, is it a combination folks, of both? Okay, for folks that are in our age group, okay, and, you, and, and I'm like 10 years yeah. older than you are, but we're, 14. In the, we're in the same generation. And Josh is a generation behind. When we watched baseball growing up, late in the game, you're in the bottom of the eighth inning, and your leadoff guy gets on, they didn't wait to see if the pitcher was coming up. The next guy bunted. Yeah. And, you know, Kevin used to make, Kevin Foote used to make a comment, I'd bunt Babe Ruth, because that's what we grew up on. And now we see situations where you figure there's a bunt coming, and they don't bunt, and you're saying, what are these people doing? They're so stupid. <laughs> but wait, to your point, though, and then all of a sudden we turn around this weekend, and Connor Kimball is batting 778 on the weekend, 7 for 9 over the last 10 games, 481, and he's got three sacrifice bunts. Well, one of them was a squeeze. Okay. Okay? Now, it wasn't a suicide squeeze. Right. One of them, he was given credit for yeah. a sacrifice with runners at the corners. They bunted. They threw him out at first base, but it wasn't good enough bunt for the runner to score. Right. And it so they gave him a sacrifice for advancing a runner from first to second with one out. Probably shouldn't have been credited with a sacrifice there. But and, still the point. And you also see times, and, and we saw it a few times this weekend, where a guy is he drags. Okay, he's bunting for a base hit. Right. And then the guy picks him out and throws him out at first, and they give him a sacrifice. Now, to me, by definition, a sacrifice 
is when you voluntarily give up something. Give yourself up, right. Okay? You're showing that bunt before you, I mean, before the pitch and, is coming. And, and your whole purpose is, I am. my purpose is to advance the runner, and if I get thrown out, it's fine. Yeah. Well, if I'm scoring a game, people are going to hate me. Because if a guy's trying to, to bunt his way on with a man on base and he gets thrown out, I'm not scoring at a sacrifice. And I even gave some good-natured grief to the official score over the weekend. said, boy, we got the nicest scorers in America because I know what a sacrifice is, and that wasn't it. And and they laughed at and they kind of agreed. Said, yeah, we talked about it. And, 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 you know, Dan McDonald, I used to, I used to kid at him. I said, I, I, I called him the 60s disc jockey because everything's a hit. And, and he, uh, there was one time, you know, with, with one out, a guy's obviously bunting his way on, and they threw him out, and he was, well, I gave him a sack. I said, why'd you give him anything? He didn't earn it. But it's, I think scorers are used to, okay, if there's a guy on base and you bunt and they throw you out, it's a sacrifice. And, I, I, and, and now I think most folks immediately will go ahead and rule it a sacrifice. But in reality, it's not. No, so. so. That's yeah. part of the answer why why Kimple did what he did over the weekend. No. He he had a great weekend. Yeah, he, did. he had a great weekend. He, did. he had a great weekend. Brennan Bro had a great weekend. Bobby Osborne still, you still can't get him out. And 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 Bobby Lede barreled up some balls. This Brad weekend. had a stat that he looked up half a season worth, and I think Drake's hitting four hundred. Well, over batting leadoff, he's batting four fifty as leadoff. Eight, last 18 games, 453. The last 11 games, 441. The last 10 games, 432. And look, even even the outs are but scorched. He's putting a barrel on everything. And this is a guy who at one time this year was hitting under 100 against right-handed pitching. Wow. He's now hitting about 310 against right-handed pitching. And, and these are what I like to call Luke Roy numbers when it comes to catching because you, you, you don't see it often, but... You know, four doubles, six doubles, four doubles, five doubles. I mean, he's had a lot of doubles. Uh, he's 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 not only and 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 the reason I say that is because in I was probably a big dumb slow white boy, but not really. But you know, you're not seeing your catchers get around to where they're going to hit that double. They're usually standing on first base and happy to get get to base and not going to go any further than that. Do you have his slug up there in front of you? I, I don't. It's uh, got to be seven hundred plus. Uh, you know, he, he it's it's uh, I did he didn't have any triples or home runs over those periods. So well, he might he might have a slug like that over his last ten fifteen yeah. games. Well, I was but, talking about the half season stats. Yeah, I oh, okay. Yeah, I don't have it. Uh, I, I started that and then uh, I, I ended up headed to the radio show. Uh, so he, he's as reliable as it gets behind the plate. He's knocking the piss out of the ball. I mean, look at you got to have guys like that in the lineup that are stalwarts, and Drake's definitely one of them. You know, you know what? You can get you big got, going. You've got to have guys, more guys with the makeup that he's got. I asked Matt one night, how many alphas do you need on a baseball team? And his response was, if you can get 35 of them, get 35 of them. You know, he's an alpha. You know, he, he demands a lot of himself. He demands a lot of his teammates. He's a leader. And while, while I think we have a few more of those than maybe we had maybe Tony's last three years, 
you still need more than what you've got. Yeah. Um, and not coming from the mound. Well, you can have them coming from the mound, but you can't have them only On the coming from the mound. In 2010, the Cajuns struggled for half the season. They were they were under 500, and then won 17 of their last 18 conference games. Well, who were their leaders? Justin Robichaux and Zach Osborne, both pitchers. And you had a couple of years ago, your two best leaders were Gunner, who was a pitcher, and Handsome Monica, who was out for the year with an injury. And 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 a lot of the rest of those guys just didn't have those leadership qualities. So I think Osborne, in a way, is a little bit of a throwback, and I think we need more of him. I, I, I Because I don't think we have quite... We, we have a few, but I don't think we have enough. Here's a question. If you only had one alpha on a roster, what position would you want him to play? Catcher. Catcher. Same. <laughs> I, I, and that's yeah. why I love him back there. He, he can, he's the quarterback of the team. He's gonna, And they respect him. You can tell, man. You can see the way they interact with him. He's a, he's a liked, loved guy on the team. And, well, I, and, and, and how many times have you heard somebody say, and, and how many times have you seen history bear it out? Who are your best coaches? Oh, your catchers. best managers, the catchers. Yeah, Mike Mike Sosha, Bruce Bochy. You know how many how many of them were catchers, uh, and there there were there were a lot. Cajuns, you know, it's not enough. They were on a pace at one time, I think, to have about 120 doubles. Mm-hmm. They've slacked off there. They they they've got 92, which is still a good number, and it, it might lead to Sun Belt. I don't know, and if not, it's very close. It does lead. That's the one category we do lead, lead the Sun Belt. 92. But I, you know, in a in a 56 to 60 game season, you'd like to have about 120 doubles. They've got 92 in 40, well, in 46 games, so it's two per game, yeah. which is about what you're looking for. So. That part of it, that part of it is good. In the last, in the last twenty years, there have only been three seasons through forty-six games that have had more doubles. Two thousand fourteen had one hundred and six. At this point, two thousand thirteen had one hundred and three, and two thousand four had one hundred and three through forty-six games. The two thousand and fourteen was kind of an enigma because that team had a real good slug. They just didn't pitch that well, and it was one of the few teams that Tony's had that just that wasn't a good pitching club. Refresh me, who was on Friday? Oh gosh, uh, Kevin Hardwin. So twenty nine and seventeen yeah, at this point in the season. season, but but that but it was in 05 that he had his issues down oh, the okay. stretch. In okay. 04, he had a solid solid season. Saint Ed, pride of Saint Ed. Twenty nine and seventeen at this point in the season, and didn't make the tournament. So mm. tells you a little bit there. So. But we're going to well, take they, it. Oh. They finished fourth, I think. Okay, did they? that year? Yeah. Okay, I mean, I'm just looking strictly at some numbers here, and I didn't. Uh, but uh, I don't know how they finished. Just comparing uh, 46 games, the first 46 games of the season. I, I just know that the following year, John Coker hit 100 points better than he did his junior year. <laughs> well, I, there's something to be said about that. In which talking about that, though, you know that Connor Kimball raised his batting average. 29 points over the weekend. I don't doubt it. And that is hard to do, 46 games into the season. You're right. Or 43 That's games. That's not an easy thing to do. You're absolutely right. So, uh, and again, uh, shout-outs to him, Louisiana Sports Writers Association Player of the, the Week. We're going to take a quick break here since everybody seems to be filling their glass with bourbon except for me, which means that's not a good thing. 
So we'll be right back after this quick break. Thank you. Any redistribution or reproduction of any part or all of the contents in any form is prohibited, except, ah, uh, who the hell are we kidding? Distribute it, share it, put it in your podcast, broadcast it, or put it on social media. Just give credit where credit's due. 